This is the remix. Do you have any special advice to Pat right there? Do you have any words for him at that point when Buffalo took the lead for the last time? Yeah, when it's grim, be the grim reaper. Go get it. So he, uh, he did that. The Las Vegas Journal Review. They blocked the punt. They blocked the punt of Bjork as it's rolling free. Pick it up. The goal line of 49 is scooping. And Talanoa Hufanga scored. Touchdown. San Francisco. Started off with Tyler Bischoff from ESPN Radio. We'll try to win it here from 45. Pepper's snap. There's a little high pulled down by Wisnowski. Robbie Gold has it away. And it is good. Robbie Gold has kicked the 49ers to victory here in Green Bay. The golden leg of Robbie Gold going to an NFC championship game. The Packers three years in a row now have been put out. Bishy, Bishy. You know, so many guys' contracts are, are up or on the brink or salary cap stuff. So a lot of decisions to be made. I don't want to be a part of a rebuild uh, if, you know, if I'm going to keep playing. So uh, a lot of decisions, you know, in the next couple months. I just crushed my dreams. Boom. Sadness. That's the one. I have an idea. Cancel the Pro Bowl. And instead, the Buccaneers play the Packers. Loser has the quarterback retire. Wow. It's a hot take. Winner doesn't have to abide by the salary cap next year. And the winning quarterback can keep playing. Yes. Is the only issue with this that, that we would then, as the viewing public, have one less top five or six back <laughs> in the NFL? We might have yeah. two. <laughs> we might lose both of them because everybody's like, uh-oh. They both gonna... Where the hell did the Tom Brady retirement conversation come from? I don't know. He he led in almost every category this year, and he's right. 44 years old. And Why would he retire? He's the guy that's been like, I'm going to play till I'm 50. Yeah, exactly. And all of a sudden, it's uh, uh, Ian Rapport has he a story. Lost the game? Well, no, Ian Rapport had it before the game, had it on Saturday. That was like, there's a possibility that Tom Brady could retire. And I'm like, and where the hell did this come from? Say that I every mean, year. He's 44 years old. But we've uh, never, but have we ever had like people think he's going to retire? Here, sources with the Bucks and close to Brady. All recognize their star quarterback remains non-committal to playing beyond this season. Am I the only one that when I get eliminated and I'm the 49ers next week, I call, the, I'm like, hey, Tom, your contract's up, right? It's what? not, though. He's got a year no, left. No, he's got a year left. Okay, then I would go a one-for-one one trade. Uh, you take Jimmy Garoppolo, we'll take Tom Brady because we have a, basically a Super Bowl roster, but we have this idiot that once a game throws the ball directly to the other team. They got Trey Lance. They're fine. Um, I So, yeah, I don't know. There's a chance neither one of them plays for their for the Bucks or the Packers next year, but if I was willing to bet, I think they both play for the Bucks and the Packers. Oh, you do? Year. See, I thought, Bucks. I agree with, I thought reading between the lines, and look, he, he does this a lot. You, you know, he obviously is thinking three steps ahead of most... Uh, most of the reporters and roomies talking about, but when he started thanking or saying how, you know, honored or whatever he was to have played there. And although I thought he was setting it up, but he, it could, it's Aaron Rodgers, So who knows what he means on a daily basis? I mean, I just thought some of his comments afterwards seemed past tense, um, but he might just be doing that. Like I said, he's, you never know what he's thinking. Okay. Well, I just, but he knows what he, that's the thing. He knows what he's thinking. I want you guys to really quickly impromptu grades on these three Aaron Rodgers nicknames from Twitter. Throw Rogan. What do we think? What do we think of throw? Throw Rogan. It's a B. It's a B? 
C. B. C. Q. Aaron. It's an A. A. It's a great one. <laughs> and uh, Rush Lambo. Oh. I'll give it a B just because Lambo has nothing to do with actual B. Aaron Rodgers, but it's pretty good. It's pretty good nickname. C. C. So here's my here's my question on Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Well, first off, a statement. He's under contract for next year. The right. Green Bay Packers have him under contract for next year. Aaron Rodgers is not a free agent. Aaron Rodgers is not free to do whatever he wants. The team has a level of control over Aaron Rodgers. So my question is, if you are the Green Bay Packers, what is your motivation to trade Aaron Rodgers? Uh, other than some kind of distraction he might be or take a chance that he'll say, okay, in the end, that's it. I'm done. And you won't get anything for him. Uh, that could happen. He could. And if he, and, or let me ask you this. Now he's only won one, but he's been, you know, he's probably going to be the MVP again. He's been pretty incredible for them. Um, if you are going into a rebuild and you know, and you know that he doesn't want to be part of that, has he done enough for you to say, okay, we'll move you? You don't want to be part of this rebuild, or is so, he, or is it is it kind of cutthroat NFL league that you know what we got you under contract? Too bad. There's two reasons that I can think that the Packers would have motivation to trade Aaron Rodgers. Number one is if Aaron Rodgers says I'm holding out or I'm not playing right, for the Green right. Bay Packers, which I guess is possible, but we literally just did that last year, and Aaron Rodgers played for the Green Bay in. Packers and won the is going to win the MVP. So, sure, he could say I'm not playing for the Packers, but uh, I don't know. That doesn't seem that likely that he's going to say I refuse to play for this organization. The other reasoning that I could understand the Packers trading Aaron Rodgers is if they decided to rebuild. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't want to be part of that. But when you have the MVP of the league under contract, why would you rebuild? Why would you not wait a year and rebuild the following season? Like the Green Bay Packers, yes, they're way over the salary cap for next year. Yes, their roster's going to look different. But the Green Bay Packers can bring back Aaron Rodgers and be NFC North favorites and be Super Bowl contenders again. Why would you start a rebuild next year? Why would you not wait and say, okay, when Aaron Rodgers is no longer under contract with us, we'll start a rebuild. They can also... Franchise tag Devontae Adams. Right. All these Raider fans, I kind of, and a couple of people said, no, he's going to get tagged. All these Raider fans with the pictures of Carr next to Devontae Adams, Carr next to Devontae Adams, they they control him. Right. And and listen, if they're going to rebuild. Maybe then you do move him. You you do. But why, if, if you're the Packers and you have the MVP of the league under contract, why on yeah. earth would you start a rebuild? It just, it, that because makes, of the cap, you think? I guess, but that has to be the only reason. But figure it out. Like you can, you can, you can figure out a way to get under the cap without getting rid of the MVP of the yeah. league. So, like to me, if I'm running the Packers, I'm not rebuilding in 2022. I'm saying, listen, Aaron, yeah, our cap situation sucks. We're gonna figure it out. We're gonna be NFC North favorites. We're gonna win 11, 12, 12 13 games. games. We're gonna be right back in the divisional round again. Right. Like that's. That's what I'm telling Aaron Rodgers, and that's what I'm telling him. Because, again, you have Aaron Rodgers for another year. So, like, to me, it makes zero sense to be like, oh, Packers are going to start rebuilding. Why would you throw away a season you could win the Super Bowl to try to win the Super Bowl in five years? Right. It's not like the Raiders who, well, if they decide to rebuild, they're throwing away a chance at winning, like, nine games next year, right? Like, ah, you could get a wild card spot next year. That's what the Raiders would be throwing away if they rebuilt right now. The Packers would be throwing away a chance to win a Super Bowl, and that makes zero sense to me. 
I cannot comprehend why they would do that. Do the Packers even know how to rebuild? They've never Probably had. Not. They haven't had to do it since no. what ninety two. Yeah, Jordan Love is just going to be awesome, right? That's the plan. That's, I mean, that seems like a reasonable plan. <laughs> you get rid of the MVP before. and you bring in another MVP. <laughs> Hot take: Rich Bisaccia, the special teams coordinator of the Packers, next year. Well, yes, they probably need a new one. Um, who okay? Who do you think cost them that game more, special teams or the offense? I mean, given the conditions of the field and of the weather, I say the special teams did. I mean, if it was sunny and bright and they couldn't move the ball and he threw a pick and they only scored seven points or ten points, then I'd say it was on him. But I don't know. As much as they play in that weather, it's still that weather. So I want to say field goal blocked. Uh, punt blocked. Um, they they're they're a disaster. Special teams. How do you how are you that good in your thirty second in special teams? That's amazing, actually, because I know special teams is important to a level to where you should probably be better in thirty second and not the number one seed in football. What I guess, my, real quick, my did you guys see the punter like not be able to get his cleat in the ground for one of those punts? No. No. Okay. Was he standing on ice? It looked probably. like he, it looked like he was like he took like three extra steps because he was like I I can't plant my foot I can't get my foot in the ground. So the Packers special teams has a blocked punt return for a touchdown, which by the way hilarious play because the ball was in the air so long. Nobody, it was great that everyone was looking up where in the air. it was. It's like the soccer players looking up for the drone, like trying to find the drone, trying to find the ball. They also had the field goal blocked uh, that obviously would have given them three points, and the 49ers game-winning field goal wouldn't have been a game-winning field goal. Um, and they also, on the 49ers game-winning field goal, had 10 players on the field. Yeah. Not that that really would have mattered, but it kind of highlights the... Uh, Incompetence. Yes, of the Packers special teams there. I still think it's the offense. Really? I know, Even it, in those was, conditions. I know it was crappy weather. 10 points. Bad weather. 10 points? That's it? You score a touchdown mm. in the opening drive. And then you don't score it's another bad, touchdown man. the rest of the game. They only ran for 67 yards. This isn't just like, oh, it was yeah. bad weather. Like Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon could have big games, but they could well, not Dillon run got the hurt. ball either. He did, but he got hurt. He got, he got like 10 carries before he got hurt and was still under four yards. Carry. They couldn't run the ball. And Aaron Rodgers wasn't very good. Like, I think mm. that's more on the offense. I think you go into that knowing who you are as the Packers. Granted, you're not expecting to give away a touchdown on a blocked punt, but you go into that knowing who you are. And your expectation is that Aaron Rodgers is going to be good. Your expectation is that Aaron Rodgers is going to be the MVP or is going to be the MVP. Your expectation is that he's going to be good and score more than 10 points. Sure, it's crappy conditions, but that means you score 20 instead of 30, not mm. 10. 10 it's points? Giving away, you're giving away 10, though. I mean, sure, you go score another 10. touchdown. Just, yeah. just score a second touchdown in the game. That's all we're asking for. I just don't I think mean, this radio show would be good if we were out in zero temperatures. We would be terrible. <laughs> We're not the MVPs of sports radio, though. Well, no. this, I mean, we're this the place? special teams. Come on, are you kidding me? We're the special well, teams of sports radio. I mean, you don't, all, don't shoot low for us. You could also argue that your defense held them two, three points. They did basically. Yeah. Like, you, your defense did its job. Do something, right, MVP. The, the one, the one unit that's not to blame is the Packers defense. The Packers no. defense. <laughs> Was phenomenal. And if listen, if I'm on the Packers defense, I'm looking around saying, What the hell, guys? What was that? This Debo Samuel guy, we stopped him. He didn't do anything. Yeah. I I think a lot of blame goes to Aaron Rodgers and the Packers there. Uh, are you disappointed we have to keep watching the 49ers? Yeah, I am. I well, 
I mean, I want the Rams to win now because we're all covering the Super Bowl, and I don't want to cover the 49ers and Jimmy Garoppolo. <laughs> I always base my dis- opinions on what I have to cover, uh, so I'd much rather cover the Rams at home uh, than watching uh, watching Jimmy, oh. Jimmy Garoppolo anymore. Wait, I got to find this tweet. I can't remember who sent it. Kyle Shanahan, with the win over the Packers, is now 500 as the 49ers head coach, including the playoffs. <sighs> His overall record is 500. If they so here's the scenario. If they lose to the Rams, Kyle Shanahan as a head coach of the 49ers Be is under, under 500, 500 for his career with the Niners. If they beat the Rams, he's in the Super Bowl for the second time in with 3 one years. With 1 over. 1 over 500. How yes, yeah. how is it that drastic where we're talking about a guy who's un Rich Basaccia is over 500 <laughs> as a head coach. Done well. Rich Basaccia Oh, Kyle Shanahan could be either under 500 or in the Super Bowl twice in three years. That doesn't make any sense. He's got a hell of a running game. Yes, it's incredible. And with Jimmy Garoppolo, too. Put him in the Hall of Fame now. Kyle Shanahan. I don't know if he's good or not. Is he good? I have no idea. I think well, so. He's, he's, he's going to be, if he's in two Super Bowls in three years, you'd have to think he's good on some level. He's also one game above 500. Yeah. <laughs> That's not good. <laughs> That's very much not good. They're good in the playoffs is what the 49. I think right. they're, what are they, like four and one now in right. the postseason with Kyle Shanahan? They're good against Rodgers. They're very good against the against, Very good against Aaron Rodgers. They're four and zero against him. That's as good as he's been. That is a fascinating stat that, they, that he can't beat that oh, team. Yeah. He's Bizarre. not trying to beat. The Chiefs and Mahomes. Right. It's not like last year when he no. lost to Brady and the Buccaneers. Yeah. Then, it's, okay. He's lost twice to Jimmy Garoppolo and the 49ers in the postseason. That's brutal. Like, that Boy, he sucks. must be shaking his head at that. Yeah. If he didn't have a Super Bowl in, you know, 15 years of being, like, one of the best quarterbacks in the league, we'd be making fun of him yeah. so badly for yeah. losing to Jimmy Garoppolo twice. I mean, he's still getting made fun of, but losing to Jimmy Garoppolo twice? Like, if Derek Carr did that? Oh, nonstop making fun of you for that. He should be made fun of that for that. Did you know that Derek Carr, supposedly, this is big news, another hot take over the weekend, he put out a tweet. It appears he's going to cut the hair and the mustache. I did see that. Wife didn't like the mustache. Well, the mustache looks kind of silly anyway. Kind of looks silly. Mustaches look silly. Yeah, so, season. but apparently she's like, all right, it's it's enough. I My guess is headed towards the playoffs with one of those superstitious things. Like you can't do anything. You're actually winning games. Like oh, don't, yeah. don't don't touch. Like Aaron Rodgers, had he come in on uh, you know on the ga- game day with like a buzz cut and all the hair gone, people would have said, "Dude, what the hell are you doing? Yeah, oh, you yeah. can't do that." Derek Carr is going to shave his head at like the start of training camp next year and then let it grow out. Assuming he's still it, a assuming that he's still around right. and they're winning and let games it grow and out because he's going to be like, "Let's do anything." Last year I let it grow out and we went to the playoffs, so right. we're doing that again. Yeah, everything we can to yes. get back to the playoffs, grow the hair out again. Coming up next, it's Bischoff's briefs. Bischoff's briefs. I'm afraid we need to use math. Bischoff's briefs. I knew I should have checked your showboating globetrotter algebra. Bischoff's briefs. Man, I thought you knew that algebra was all razzmatazz. Bischoff's briefs. Yes, I see. Something involving that many big words could easily stabilize time itself. Coming up, 20 minutes or so, we're going to have a four-pack of tickets to the East-West Shrine Bowl coming to Allegiant Stadium. But first, Bischoff's Briefs. We got a story from David Sharns, 
who uh, is with Channel 8 here. Nate Hobbs was pulled over for going 110 miles an hour on the 215. Speed limit 65, by the way. Uh, this came two weeks after he was arrested on suspicion of DUI. If you remember, he was in a parking garage asleep in his car. Uh, he failed a field sobriety test. Um, he was, uh, and by the way, according to this story, he was in the driver's seat. That was a detail that I didn't know until this, but he was in the driver's seat of that. So two weeks after getting arrested on suspicion of DUI, he gets pulled over for going 110 in a 65. And this all came two months after Henry Ruggs uh, killed a woman while driving drunk. So first, let me ask you this. Should the Raiders release Nate Hobbs? Um, I can't believe I'm saying this. Well, they won't. They will not. They will not. But should they? They released Ruggs. They released Damon Arnett after a video where he was threatening to kill people. I think it's more balance of the Damon Arnett. So if they released him, they should probably release Nate Hobbs. I mean, Ruggs is at such a different level yes. and what he did. Then if you're going to release Damon Arnett for the brandishing of the guns, Nate Hobbs, you're going 100 miles an hour. You certainly could kill someone that way, too. Yeah. And two weeks after you're and arrested two weeks on after suspicion after DUI. And DUI. Yeah. two months after the Henry Ruggs accident right. as well. Um, that And again, that's absurd that all that happened in that short of a time period. Here's my issue with it, though. This, to me, is a complete organizational failure from Mark Davis down. Because if we, just looking at the last few months, it's very clear that Mark Davis doesn't really care about, like, accountability. Like, just go back to Steve Wynn, right? Steve Wynn, who has paid off multiple settlements after being accused of sexual assault, who stepped down from the hotel that has his name on it because he was accused of sexual assault. Mark Davis brought that guy in to light the torch at Allegiant Stadium. Mark Davis honored Steve Wynn. And when asked about it, because it was controversial, Mark Davis's response was basically, well, he's my friend and he helped me get the stadium done. So of course I'm going to honor him. Mark Davis didn't care about any of the sexual assault allegations. Mark Davis only cared that this guy helped him get something, helped him get a stadium. And then in season, Mark Davis receives the emails that John Gruden sent that were homophobic, misogynistic, and racist. And Mark Davis did not fire John Gruden. Mark Davis let John Gruden coach another game against the Bears. Did not fire him. It took those emails going public, and not just one of them. It took all of those emails going public for John Gruden to no longer be the coach right. of the Raiders. And still, Mark Davis didn't fire him. John Gruden got to resign as head coach of the Raiders. Again, Mark Davis did not care about anything because he liked John Gruden. John Gruden was his friend. He thought John Gruden was going to help his football team the way Steve Wynn helped his football team get a new stadium. It has been very clear over the last few months, Mark Davis doesn't care about accountability or, or morals or values or any of that. He cares about what helps his football team. And Nate Hobbs helps his football team. So Nate Hobbs isn't going to actually be punished by the Raiders here. And until anything changes with Mark Davis, why would I, as an employee of that organization, think that I'm going to be held accountable when Mark Davis doesn't hold anybody accountable? He doesn't. Like, you can do whatever you want, and as long as you're friends with Mark Davis, as long as he thinks well, you're helpful. Or as long as they think you're a good football right, player. You're not going anywhere. Nothing's going to happen to you because Mark Davis doesn't care. 
about anything outside of what helps his organization. So to me, this is this all starts with Mark Davis and the way this organization is run and the way this organization makes decisions. There's zero care about morals or values or ethics. There's zero accountability for your actions as long as you're good at your job or Mark Davis likes you. Well, Ruggs, Ruggs obviously was the easy one, but what about in that in that realm? What about Damon Arnett? He wasn't helping him. He was he was bad and he was hurt. He was not only unavailable okay, yeah, to play. I, I, all right, let me go back to that then. You're saying because he wasn't helping him on the if field. If Damon Arnett was, was like the best cornerback in the league. Corner or something like that. They're not releasing him because right. he posted a video waving no. a gun around saying. They're saying we disagree with it. Right. They might be like, yeah, we are internally punishing Damon Arnett. If right. he, yeah, if he's an all pro cornerback, Damon Arnett's right. still a Raider. But Damon Arnett was terrible. And. He was, he was brandishing he was guns. Right. And he was hurt. And yeah, it's, it wasn't easy. Threatening it's like, to kill people. Right. You look back. Yeah, we're going to look back because we're releasing a first round pick like two years later. But the guy wasn't any good. The guy wasn't helping them win anything. But Nate Hobbs was good. Nate Hobbs was a surprisingly a good, good player. Yeah. Right. A mid round rookie that was like one of their best defensive players this year. He was helping them. So, of course, they're not getting rid of that guy's good at the sport. So I just. I think until until something changes with Mark Davis, uh, why would we expect any of this to change with, from the Raiders? I mean, we've had three players with DUI incidents. Now, Josh Jacobs' case got dropped, and right. Nate Hobbs might get dropped here. But we've had three players with DUI incidents in what? The last, what are we, like 14, 15 right. months. Three players, plus Damon Arnett waving guns around, and as Adam Schefter reported, Crashed four rental cars in a month. That's the most fascinating part right. of that story. So that is. And now amazing. Nate Hobbs driving 110 on the 215. Like, there's very clearly a problem with the Raiders. It's very yeah. clearly they don't have any sort of, like, discipline internally that keeps these guys to where they're going to act normal or act within the rules law. of the law. Right? Like, there's very clearly a problem with this team. And I don't know why we would expect it to change. When the guy who owns the entire organization doesn't care what Steve Wynn's allegations are, doesn't care what John Gruden sent in an email, it, why would none of this is going to change? Is there, and maybe this is just me being a pessimist, is there some <laughs> element that maybe when the team was in Oakland, this stuff sort of got fixed on its own? And because they move, they don't have a built in like, Certain members of law enforcement aren't fan necessarily fans of the team yet. There's not a level of protection. We've only been here a few years, Jared. It's hard to get those kind of relationships so fast. I'm just saying that there. When I, mean, I lived in Missouri, there, yeah. we would hear things about I mean, Cardinals players in St. Louis, and right. we'd hear things about Chiefs players in Kansas City. That it was like, huh? No one reported that. Yeah. And they were in Oakland a long time. If you say they're relationships, I wouldn't doubt it. But again, that that is Jared's right. But that has nothing to do with what's happened recently here. I mean, they've got guys out there breaking the law or threatening to break the law, and the only ones it seems. And again, Rugs is you got to put Rugs to the side. Obviously, they're releasing yeah, him. Someone died. Yeah, someone died. Um, so Damon Arnett. I think you're right. I think if he's playing really well, they find a way to say yeah. internal discipline, whatever that means, right. like extra laps. I have no idea what that means. Yeah, I don't think it's any. It's I don't even think it's a question. If Damon Arnett's good at football, Damon Arnett's still a Raider, but he's he wasn't. He was very bad and also hurt. Like it's you couldn't even argue like, well, 
Maybe he's not good, but we need him on Sunday because right. whatever. He was he hurt, hurt anyway. Yeah, it, it wasn't healthy. There was zero repercussions to the Raiders roster or the Raiders season to letting go of Damon Arnett, whereas obviously with Henry Ruggs there was, and there would have been with Nate Hobbs. All right, coming up next, we get into the Memphis Grizzlies. To try to tie it at three seconds to go in the game in regulation. Placement down, the snap was a little low, but Butker gets a kick up, and he ties the game! Ties the game, we're going to overtime! Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas Studios, this is the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff. Joining us now from Grind City Media covering the Grizzlies is Jessica Benson. Uh, All right, Jessica, be honest with us. The Grizzlies played yesterday, but how much did you actually watch versus the NFL playoffs? It was brutal, man. It was, I'm a Bills fan, and to have that game going on at the same time, and I do the pre-post and half for the Grizzlies radio broadcast, so to some degree I I have to pay attention. (laughs) I won't lie. It was, first of all, it was a brutal shooting night for the Grizzlies against the Mavs, which did not help hold my attention, but I had the game up on my laptop, um, had the Grizzlies Mavs on the big TV in front of us. We're broadcasting our away games out of, a lounge at FedEx Forum here in Memphis currently, and my attention was shot. Like, let's be real. Wait, not, not so there. much that you got the the wrong the winner wrong. No, okay. it was just <laughs> oh my god! It was like I could not handle having to take your attention away because here's the thing: we also do, as you guys know, you guys host a, a long form radio show. We host a podcast called Rise and Grind for Grind City Media. So there's some level of necessity in being able to talk about the Bills Chiefs game as well as all of the amazing NFL action from over the weekend. So I felt like, you know, I had a right to have my attention (laughs) taken away from the Grizzlies in that sense. So I constantly was trying to justify it, but especially the last two minutes of regulation and then going into overtime. By that point, the Grizzlies were down like between 15 and 20 points. I I felt like it was okay to pay attention to the other. (laughs) How, wait, how bad would your bosses be if you just gave breakdowns of the Bills and Chiefs at halftime instead of the actual Grizzlies game? (laughs) I did open the post-game show by saying, (laughs) if you are actually listening to this radio broadcast right now of the Grizzlies losing to the Mavericks, you are the realest of the real ones because (laughs) every other sports fan in this country was tuned in to Bill's Chiefs last night. So I I appreciate the dedication of Grizz Nation. Uh, It wasn't the best performance, a 104-91 loss for the Grizzlies. And I think my bosses would would understand appropriately, and they probably weren't listening either, let's be honest, at that point. All right, are we going to get, because I feel like we could, are we going to get some fun John Morant playoff performances like we just got out of the Bills and Chiefs. Yes, absolutely. When you look at, I mean, not to get too in the depths of comparisons, but what's so fun about a game last night between the Bills and the Chiefs is you have two of the most fun young quarterbacks in the game in Patrick Mahomes, and he's quote-unquote aging at this point, and Josh Allen is still relatively finding his footing as really being in that top-tier quarterback conversation. When it comes to John Morant, he's there right now. This season in year three, the leaps that he has taken into the ascension of being in the true conversation of superstardom, and I know superstar is such a big word and everyone can associate whatever they want with what kind of star that means. John Morant has the it factor. There's no denying it. He breaks into top 10 jersey sales for the first half of the season. He has a 700,000 vote advantage on Luka Doncic in that number two spot in the all-star voting for guards in the West. He's the most electrifying player 
in the NBA right now. And so you're guaranteed to see something different from him that, that you've never seen night in and night out in the regular season. And all that does is set up a pretty exciting playoff opportunity for the Grizzlies. And whatever that ends up being, the thing about a team like Memphis is they have so few opportunities to really get to play in front of a national audience. Not a ton of ESPN games, not a ton of TNT games. Even their upcoming game against the Spurs this Wednesday was supposed to be on ESPN and it got flexed off for a heat Knicks game. So it kind of builds up a lot of anticipation for when you will be able to just, you know, turn on one of those channels, get to see him and the Grizzlies perform in the playoffs this year. Why did I think you were going to say Suns Warriors? <laughs> that would make a little bit, I, I would be a little bit more okay with that one. I would still be a little salty on it, but come on, Knicks heat. Why? Uh, you- you know, a couple of years ago, it was always, always about Boston's a few years away. They're a few years away, but now they're playing well enough. It, was there the same sense with the Grizz? Like they, they, they've, they've come not too fast, but they're ahead of the game? It's been a relatively quick comeback after you move out of the grit and grind years and you shift into this rebuild mode, but you struck gold when you get the number two pick in the draft with John Morant. And then this Grizzlies front office has just made really smart moves that have allowed them to ascend much quicker than a lot of people anticipated. Coming out of last year, they get the win in the play-in tournament over the Warriors. That's big. You get one win over the Jazz in the first round of the playoffs and then get swept the rest of the way. But the conversation this season goes to, okay, can they just not be in the play-in tournament? That would be a step above what they did last season. Suddenly you're looking at the Grizzlies right now on January 24th. They're third in the Western Conference. They have the third best record in all of the NBA. And so much of it comes down to, one, John Morant taking that next leap in year three, but also the improved play of Jaron Jackson Jr. and what he's doing on the defensive end for this team. He had zero blocks last night against the Mavericks, but he's only had six zero blocks uh, zero, zero block games this season, and he had gone on a wild stretch where he'd had 35 in the last eight games. You look at Desmond Bain, who has become this knockdown three-point shooter for this team, and he's been in health and safety protocols over this last stretch of games, and it's been a clear hit for the Grizzlies, who have really relied on his shooting, but all of those pieces are there for the Grizzlies to be in a more win-now mode, and that, that wasn't the thought at the beginning of this year, but that's certainly where they sit here at this point in the season. So given that it's happened so quickly, I'm, I'm curious, like in Memphis is, are people thinking oh, this team could win a, an NBA title? Like what's the actual expectation thought process around the Grizzlies right now in Memphis? The expectations are high. And a lot of it came during a stretch where the Grizzlies won 11 games in a row and they started getting some of that national attention and you get road wins over the Suns, over the Warriors. You had a road win over the Jazz, who are right behind you in the standings. Uh, you Just recently, you beat the Nuggets extremely shorthanded. So when you're looking at those other teams in the West, it feels like they've earned the right to at least be in the contention conversation. And that's a huge turnaround, because when you look back on, it was November 26th, they had a blowout loss to the Atlanta Hawks. John Morant goes down with an injury. At that time, there was concern about how long would he really be down. And then the team found ways to, to win in the 12-game stretch without him. They had one game when he came back. They lost to the Thunder, and you're like, oh, no, is this, this going to go in the wrong direction again? No, it's just one game. Then they have that 11-game winning streak, and now they've won 23 of their last 30 games since November 26th. And of those 
seven losses that they now have. Three of them have been to the Dallas Mavericks, so there's certainly something there. <laughs> but they have just continued to outperform expectations. But you can't even call it outperforming expectations now uh, because that bar has shifted throughout the course of the season. What has it done? You know, it was down for a long time. Mostly people uh, correlated with the college team there. What has it done with the fan base here? And, and, and obviously John Morant's got to bring them out. But what, what's the town like now? You know, it's really interesting because I moved to Memphis in 2016 and I was really attracted to it, one, because there was an NBA team, but two, because of the love for the University of Memphis and the history of, of college basketball really having a stronghold in this city. And it's unfortunate. It looked like this year could be one of those special kind of seasons and Memphis really is at its best when both the Grizzlies and the Tigers have a cohesion and, and are both performing at their best. It's been a tough year for the Tigers, and Penny Hardaway has had some significant struggles this year despite coming in with the number one recruiting class in the country and the preseason number 12 ranking in the AP Top 25, and now they're struggling to barely beat Tulsa yesterday. At least they beat Tulsa. But because of that, there has been a little bit of a shift where it feels like the Grizzlies are the primary narrative in this city, which is kind of funky because – Normally, the NBA team is always going to take that stronghold in a lot of cities across the country. It sometimes has more of a balance here, but right now, the the love is definitely there for the Grizzlies. The star power of John Morant, you see so many kids in number 12 jerseys. They actually had a jersey swap opportunity at FedEx Forum a couple weeks ago after the Warriors came in here, and job there were a group of kids who tried to give him a high five after he sealed the game down the stretch and he was like nah i'm not giving you a high five you're in warriors jerseys come back in a grizzlies jersey whenever it is and so uh, marketing took a, a nice approach there and gave kids and fans the chance to come in and trade jerseys and you had people trading michael jordan jerseys for a john morant jersey which like i'm not i'm not here to judge anyone it's a michael <laughs> jordan jersey but that just speaks to the love that this city really has for john morant and he just he fits here, man. He fits the culture here. He has the swag both on the court and in his highlight-worthy every night. There's like a jaw-dropping, oh, my G moment. Um, but then also just the way he, he's on Twitter, he interacts with people, he's got a chip on his shoulder, always underlooked. And that's how the city of Memphis feels. And it was just a match made in basketball heaven. Jessica Benson with us. All right, who wins a title first, Josh Allen or John Morant? thing that stings so bad about that Bill Block last <laughs> night because it finally really felt and with the Titans getting knocked off on Saturday, no disrespect to Joe Burrow and the Bengals, they're a phenomenal team. It just felt like the path was there for Josh Allen this year, if not for good old magician Mahomes. I think I think the Bills are oh man, oh, you can't put me on the spot like that. Can we say the same year? Let's go both next year. <laughs> hey, That'd be fun. That is a magnanimous answer right there. Be very fun, very fun. Jessica Benson with us. Well, Jessica, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. Thank we look you, Appreciate it. Anytime. Yeah. Have a good one. Some more Java Rant Grizzlies conversations in the future. Jessica Benson with uh, Grind City Media. I remember, so Ole Miss is about an hour away from Memphis. I remember my freshman year of college, me and a friend were like, you know what? We can drive to a Memphis Grizzlies game. Because listen, growing up in the middle of Mississippi, there's no pro sports. Right, right, it's right. Not, everything's like six hours away. Right. We're like, we're like an hour away from a Grizzlies game. And I think Rudy Gay was their best player at the time. 
was like, oh, we can pay like $15 and go to a Grizzlies game? This is great. This is phenomenal. We saw how Rudy Gay hit a buzzer beater over LeBron to win a game once. So you went? Oh, yeah, yeah. I okay. went to a bunch of Grizzlies games in college because, again, it was like $15 yeah. to go to a game. It was phenomenal. Did they still play whoop that trick? In the- okay. <laughs> yes. And the actual, we went there so much, I got annoyed with the Beale Street Flippers. If I see those people at another basketball game, I'm going to be so annoyed. They're just people that do flips down Beale Street, and you know they're like street performers. They want you to give like them gymnastics. Money. Yeah, yeah. Like they just do. The yeah, they'll okay. do like twenty yeah. flips in a row. Okay. The amount of times that not only the Memphis Grizzlies but Ole Miss basketball had these people come perform <laughs> at halftime. I'm like, I got it. They do a lot of flips. They can flip. I've seen them plenty of times do the flips. <laughs> We don't need them at halftime. I never want to see them at a basketball game again. All right, here we go. We got tickets <laughs> to go to the East-West Shrine Bowl, and hopefully the Beale, Beale Street, Street Flippers. Flippers don't show up at the Shrine Bowl. Four pack of tickets, East-West Shrine Bowl, February 3rd at Allegiant Stadium. We got a pair of tickets, or four tickets for you right now. 702-364-1100 is the phone number. 702 702- Three six four eleven hundred. If you want to go to the East West Shrine Bowl out of the Legion Stadium, four tickets right now. We'll take caller number seven at seven zero two three six four eleven hundred. Thirty six thirty six tie in overtime. Chiefs first down and goal to go. Mahomes looks to throw it. Pump faking right side. He wants and a comeback cut. It is caught by Kelsey. Touchdown, Kansas City. One of the greatest duos in the history of the National Football League. Patrick Mahomes to Travis Kelsey on a push fade comeback. And the Chiefs have won this incredible divisional playoff game in overtime. Mahomes in the gun, takes a snap, looks to throw, pumps once, fires towards the end zone, and it is caught. Touchdown, Kansas City. It is caught by Kelsey, and the game is over. 42-36, the final score. The Bills lose it. Their season is over. You're locked in the press box. How you feeling, Jared? Uh, I'm doing the smug face. I do enjoy that no matter what we're talking about or what guest we're talking to, every single rejoin has been a Kansas City yes. Chiefs highlight. And opposite with the whoa. Buffalo Bills highlight, or with the Buffalo Bills play-by-play. Okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. We got Matt Gay kicking the field goal, both calls, and we also got a uh, we got Aaron Rodgers saying, uh, I don't want to be a part of a rebuild. So two of like the ten rejoins you made were not. Kansas City Chiefs. We related. got John Tortorella talking about guys <laughs> bleeping their pants. <laughs> but, you know, we're here to talk to Brian Dutcher, the head coach of the San Diego State Aztecs. And there goes Tyreek Hill. <laughs> well, I, I hate to tell you this. There weren't a whole lot of highlights from the from the San Diego State game. That a lot I of was... turnovers, Jared. Come on. <laughs> yeah, right. Turn those a lot of missed shots. A lot of missed shots. A lot of bricks thrown I, I hate. I hate to tell you this. Uh, yeah, I wasn't Got to go on a deep dive. Uh, congratulations to Lou. He won tickets to go to the East-West Shrine Bowl. Uh, also, an update from something earlier in the show, Braden McNabb. Actually, I'm going to have you guys guess. How many fights do you think Braden McNabb has been in since he's been a Golden Knight? Do we want to set the... Uh, will you set the under over? <laughs> no, I just want you guys... I just want to guess. See what All number right. what the number is for you guys. I'm going three. Oh, I was going to go three. Can we both go three? That's the correct answer. Because oh, yeah. I was going to set Good it at job. two and a half. And... Good job. He fought twice in the first season. Of it for him. Whoa. For the, of the Golden Knights. For the Golden Knights, yeah. 
and then he fought once this year. And that's it. The way he plays, you'd think there's a lot more, though. Right. That's what I was thinking. He fought 13 times for the Kings. Only Drama. three times as a Golden Knight. I don't they, know. It's hey, they strange. they traded for uh, they tried traded for Reeves and he went. Oh, cool! I don't have to do this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done. I'm officially retiring. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's yeah, it's bizarre that you'd think Braden McNabb would have a lot more fights, but only three times since he's been a Golden Knight. Though he did fight once this year, and it was less than a month ago. It was December 31st. All right, we both agree two out of four this week, and I'll tell you what, two out of four would be a good trip. It would, um, given, given, about yeah, to play. given you're playing good teams. Here's, okay, this whole regular season, I've kind of maintained the general idea that eh, the it regular doesn't season doesn't matter too much. Right. Like, obviously, don't miss the playoffs. And once we get to the end, we might be talking about seeding. And eh, maybe it's a little bit more important to get up to a seed. But for the most part, not the most important regular season, right? The Golden Knights' success is going to be determined by the postseason and given right. how bad the division Again. is. They're going to be in the postseason. Like yes. it's going to take a monumental collapse for them not to make. It. I mean, hell, they're in position to to win the division, and they've had like everybody on the team at some point has missed like multiple weeks. Like they've had incredibly bad injury luck, and yet they've still got a really good shot. Yep. to win, not just make the playoffs, to win the Stanley the division. Cup. That's how bad. Well, division and yeah, Stanley, just Cup. regular season wise, that's how bad this division is. So. But I, I don't know. I get the sense that these four games, you're playing good teams. You're coming off a bad I think you want to like, show something. Like, you don't want to get swept. Right. That like, wouldn't be good, no I matter who you have. Right. I think that's the the thing here is it's not so much they've got to go out and maybe win four games or go 3-1-0 and or 3-0-1 in this stretch. But it does feel like you don't want to come home 0-4. You right. don't want to come home like, you know. I don't think they will. 0-2-2, no, right? Like, you got you to gotta pick up at least one win and two wins you're probably feeling okay about yourselves. And again... It probably won't matter when we get to April and postseason. We're not looking back and saying, well, that run in January where they got blown out by all the good Eastern Conference teams. But it does feel like there's a level of, yeah, you need to you need to show that, hey, we can play. Like we're we're still one of the best in hockey. We're not just beating up on a bad division. We we're still one of the best in only hockey. Only two back to back only tonight and tomorrow. Yeah. And then Thursday, Saturday, Thursday, so they only Saturday. get one of the back to back. It's a rough schedule. It is. It's a pretty rough schedule for the Golden Knights. And then, what they get the two in Canada uh, as well in early February right. too. Which I guess play playing the Flames will be big whenever they actually play the Flames. It'll be big simply because that's the team most likely that they're going to be contending with for the one seed yep. in the Pacific Division. Um, which I guess ultimately is like that's kind of most likely that's just going to determine who has home ice in the second round is more than likely what that's going to be between them and Calgary. Because yeah. I assume they're both going to win their first-round matchups if they're the one in the two seed. I assume that. That might be a dumb assumption because it's hockey and who knows what's going to happen. But I haven't mentioned them in a long time, but we know who's in second with 44 points. Anaheim? LA Kings. Oh, yeah, yeah but Kings. What, they played, what, like 10 more games than Calgary? Uh, well, they played three more games in the nights. I think the games are... Yeah, yeah I think... It's, yeah, they played three. Both, the and Kings are in second because they've finished their entire schedule already while the no, rest of the no, teams have the 40 K- games to The play. Kings have only played one more than the Knights. The Anaheim Ducks, who are in third <laughs> place, who actually tied with 47 points, have played two more. Um, Edmonton has played 16 less than anyone in the division. How many less? I'm just kidding. Oh, Jesus. But, but I'll tell you what, they're... Nah, they're it's like, like five, five, five in hand against yeah. the Knights. Uh, Calgary's actually made some games up. They're only... They're five in hand, and Edmonton six in hand uh, against the Knights. So I think you're right about Calgary. Uh, Edmonton, unless they trade for Marc-Andre Fleury. Yeah. 
That'd be the best case scenario for us. Oh, the Oilers trading for Flurry, and then they made a run and be great. Well, that's just the first round matchup or something. Golden Knights, Oilers against Flurry. That'd it, be fun. It'd be great if they made a run, but his save percentage was like eight hundred. Yeah, <laughs> he's bad, but Connor McDavid is really good. Connor McDavid scores like five points a game. By the way, the NFL playoffs this weekend were very NHL playoff like, where basically all the underdogs except for one right one games like that's very nhl playoff like where you go into and you're like well montreal sucks oh they're in the conference finals like i'm not convinced the 49ers are any good uh, i would have loved to prop to see the odds if all four road teams had won yeah. oh and 13 seconds I mean, that away from that 13 happening. seconds away from it happening that would have paid a lot of money <laughs> we were <laughs> we were less than a dak prescott draw play yeah. from that happening yep all it took. All it took. The 49ers. Has any team ever won the Super Bowl based on their opponents being incompetent four straight games? Because that's what we're looking at. Cowboys, incompetent 49ers advance. Packers, incompetent 49ers advance. Like, I'm, I I'm mean, convinced. Stafford's I'm convinced capable. Stafford's throwing three pick sixes and all of them, like, on his yeah. goal line. Like, we're getting the Carson Wentz underhanded flip from his end zone that turns into a pick six from, and like twice from Stafford. And the 49ers are going to be in the Super Bowl, and we're going to be looking around saying, they're not good. I don't know how they got here, but they're not good. God, Jimmy G. Got to watch. At least Debo Samuel's fun. I can I can handle it with Debo.